but they know the impact of it. The police department, they know where the kids are. They're not hanging out on the street. They're doing something positive, doing something healthy. Uh, they want to be good kids. Uh, in, in the inner city, uh, it's hard for these kids to find an avenue to go down to do that. And this skateboarding over the past, what, 21 years that we've had our first park, uh, it's just caught on. And This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 72 of Life in Motion. Today, I have Mike Donnellan with me, who is the founder of Action Sports Kids Foundation, a nonprofit whose mission is to help lower crime, build self-esteem, and keep kids in school, all with the help of skateboarding. I'm excited to learn how they're able to make such an impact while also breaking the stigma that the skate community, unfortunately, often has. Uh, Mike, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks, Jeremy. Glad to be with you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to kind of learn more about what all, um, you know, you, you all do at ASK, uh, as the abbreviation is, but... Um, before we kind of get into that, let's let's uh, go back a little while and you know talk about you know your story, you know hobbies you had growing up, how you got into skateboarding, and kind of ultimately what led you to this to this journey. Well, I mean, uh, I, I could write a write a book about all of it, but uh, <laughs> in, a, in a snapshot, I'm going to begin my uh, 70th year around the sun next year. Oh wow! Uh, and I was uh, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Uh, in, in rural Houston, um, and there was not much to do out there, so we kind of got caught up in the, the outdoor life, uh, hunting, fishing, camping, uh, hiking. Uh, my life uh, growing up was uh, just one big adventure. Uh, <laughs> of course, skateboarding was not uh, on the radar screen back then, uh, but in 1962, I think it was, uh 1963 i got my first skateboard okay <clears throat> and uh it was back then it was a hang 10 with a clothing uh a, it was an apparel company and they made skateboards and i got this little skateboard that had steel wheels and where i grew up there were no there were no sidewalks there were no concrete streets it was all rough asphalt so then the only concrete we had was our driveways uh so skateboarding got boring really fast um <laughs> uh, but, but I had a great life. You know, I, I was blessed. My family was not well off, but, uh, you know, we had a family that cared about each other. And most important, I was raised to take the time to care about others uh, and never to judge people. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of, you know, my upbringing that got me into what I was doing, what I'm doing now. Uh, you know, I've been a community activist for 30, 35 years, working with at-risk kids through many different sports, uh, but, but my life growing up with my mom and dad, my brother and sister, uh, you know, just a really caring family. And that, that's something that's, uh, stayed with me my entire life. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And it's interesting, you know, I didn't expect, you know, necessarily, uh, kind of that the upbringing as far as, you know, not really having much to skate and kind of that, uh, having the resources as far as that goes. So it's interesting how you eventually kind of transition to that and also it sounds like you know that you you made the best out of you know your your home situation and obviously you had uh, good people around you and your family and whatnot to kind of lay that initial groundwork so you know from you know you mentioned uh it got boring real quick you know skateboarding in your and your driveway or whatnot so where did that kind of transition go where you know you didn't kind of throw it to the side, obviously, because you're still involved with it now. So where, where did that kind of transition lead? 
Well, I mean, my, my interest in skateboarding started, uh, you know, many years later when I had my son. Okay. Uh, my son is now 43, I think, 42. Or than terrible, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, but he's uh, a surfer, a skateboarder, uh, you know, all around action sports guy. He never played organized sports. And, you know, when he was growing up young, I built ramps in the front yard and all the neighborhood kids would come over uh, and skate. You know, I'd hit their ramp every now and then uh, just for fun. Uh, but my introduction to skateboarding was when my son was, was very young. Uh, and I, ju I just was really hyped on the sport. Um, I've always been interested in action sports, things more dangerous than I would ever do growing up. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, it, it piqued my interest. Uh, and I don't know what kind of questions you want to ask later, but I could explain to you how my interest in serving at-risk kids through skateboarding evolved from that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, my term on the city council. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, we can get into that. And um yeah, let's go ahead and dive into that now, kind of yeah, where that kind of all started. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, I've been helping uh, uh, at-risk youth uh, long before the skateboarding thing. Uh, you know, the junior rowing program, you know, with Little League, uh, soccer, whatever. And, you know, I always found that, that sports, no matter what it is, is a very good outlet uh, for young people. Yeah. Uh, and, and the average age of kids that I, I, I work with are 10 to 14 years old, which is the most, as far as your most underserved population of kids, that is the most at risk. Um, so when I was on the city council, Long Beach City Council, it was in 1996, uh, I just had a random phone call. It was on a Sunday and Sunday was pretty much my day around the house. And as a council member in Long Beach, it can be an incredibly time consuming job. So Sunday was my like peace time. You know, I work yeah. in the garden. I love to garden, uh, put around the house and do absolutely nothing. And I get a phone call. My wife, she said, Mike, you know, there's a guy on the, you know, on the phone for you now. You know, Chris, I don't, it's Sunday. Tell him I'm not here. <laughs> Whatever. She said, no, this guy's having a panic attack. You've got to talk to him. Uh, so I went in and I picked the phone up and the guy's name was John. I remember that. Uh, and he goes, councilman, you got to come over here. And I go, what are you talking about? He said, they're destroying my property. He said, I can't get them to leave. And I represented some pretty rough areas of Long Beach. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought gang violence or something like that. And I said, well, what, what is it? And he goes, skateboarders. I go, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> he said, you've got to come over here and talk to them right away. They're going to destroy my property. And I said, well, just, he had just gotten sprinklers in his yard. And he I said, well, just tell them to go somewhere else. He goes, no, they'll retaliate and burn my garage down. So, uh, you know, I said, okay, I'll, I'll come over. So I went over to his house, which was in my neighborhood, which is kind of a middle-class upper neighborhood. And there were a bunch of 10-year-old kids up and down the sidewalk with a ramp and so forth. And um, I got out and started talking to them. Uh, and we had set up a meeting with them, the police department, to kind of outline what they could and couldn't do. Uh, and there was a little 10 year old kid, his name was Jonathan. He came up to me and uh, just really angry. And he kind of gets up in my face and he goes, you're a big shot, aren't you? And I go, well, maybe. He goes, why don't you build us a skate park? He said, we can't skate at the school. We can't skate on private property. And now we've got this guy next door. He said, we can't even skate in our own neighborhood. So that was actually the catalyst uh, to motivate me to go back to the city council uh, and, and ask them, you know, why don't we build a skate park and right away the liability issue came up 
and um, there was a, a bill in Sacramento that was adding skateboarding to the list of hazardous sports that cities could provide for. There were bikes and everything was in it, swing sets, uh, football, baseball, but no, no skateboarding. So I went to Sacramento on behalf of the city of Long Beach and lobbied to have skateboarding added to the list of hazardous sports. Um, and long story short, uh, we developed a, uh, uh, a process that cities would go uh, in California, uh, would have to go through to build the skate parks and there was limited liabilities. You had to wear safety equipment and so forth. Um, and we actually drafted the law in California that added skateboarding to the list of hazardous sports. So once that was done, uh, I took an agenda item to the city council asking for a feasibility study, which would study the possibility of skateboard parks uh, along with the liability issue and the cost and locationing criteria and so forth. Uh, in my first meeting, I went to an illegal skate spot in Long Beach and handed out 20 flyers. Uh, 75 kids showed up at the council meeting, a bunch of people <laughs> skateboarders. Uh, so, what, and I've working with youth, you can kind of see passion, you can feel it. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever experienced anything like it. Uh, the interest, the commitment, the passion from the kids to do this. Um, so we, we, of course, the council voted to do the feasibility study. And what I did is I took a bunch of kids around Long Beach to community meetings, uh, uh, commission meetings, to kind of introduce the possibility of skateboarding. Uh, and what I, what I did that was unique is I gave them a roadmap to do this. I did very little speaking. We would meet at my house, come up with the pros and cons of skateboarding. They would do all the talking. Uh, and knowing what I know about, about kids and politicians, it's hard to say no to a kid. Yeah. So they kind of took the torch and ran with it. And as we started going through the process, it took a couple of years uh, the, the, the interest from the kids was like nothing I'd ever seen. And it caught me, uh, you know, it developed my interest. I said, you know, I've done little league soccer. I've done every sport, you know, the kids are active in. I said, but this is something unique. And I still didn't quite get it. Um, so we, they approved the plan for five major skate parks and we built our first one that opened in October 7th, 2000. Uh, it's El Dorado Skate Park. It was a 12,000 square foot park. And when, after it opened, I, I went out there and started spending a lot of time talking to the kids and the family. And what I noticed were a lot of the inner city kids started coming there. And I would talk to them, you know, what neighborhood you're from. And they were all from low income areas. And, you know, they'd cry to me, you know, Mike, we'll never get one of these in my neighborhood. We got to come all the way to the east side. And El Dorado is in a predominantly uh, you know, upper income, middle income neighborhood. Uh, my yeah. kids don't live there. Um, so I went back to the city and said, let's not do the five big regional parts. Let's focus on what we ended up calling pocket parts uh, or skate spots in our most underserved neighborhoods because we didn't have the space to build a large 10 or 13,000 square foot skate park. Um, so as we started going through that, just more kids got involved and uh, we would go take five or six kids to skate and five or six kids would, hey, can we come skate with you? So uh, we had a name, it was called uh, 
the Long Beach uh, Skate Park Committee. And then it was Long Beach Extreme Sports. And as the thing evolved, and it evolved, there was never a plan to do what we did. Uh, it evolved organically. It just started growing with more and more kids uh, and mostly our in the inner city, mostly our at-risk kids were a part of it because it gave them something to do and more important, something to be a part of, uh, something that was incredibly diverse and it was inexpensive. All they needed was a skateboard and a piece of concrete, uh, which was readily available all over the city. So we started building the, the small skate parts and I guess it was must have, you know, it's been 17 years ago uh, we caught the interest of Tony Hawk uh, and the Tony Hawk Foundation. Uh, and I, I was invited to San Diego to speak at a seminar. Tony was there and uh, his executive director of his foundation. And we all sat down and said, you know, this is all kind of new. Let's stay in touch with each other. And uh, Tony, uh, THF, Tony Hawk Foundation, got more involved in what we were doing because nobody was doing what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, and um, so... As time went by, Tony got more interested in what Long Beach was doing and used Long Beach as a model across the country to other cities on what to do with skate parks and kids after they were built. Tony Hawk Foundation funds, uh, uh, partially funds the development of a skate park, but not the activities afterwards. So we've consulted cities and it, and it just started growing. I, uh, and me and their, his executive director were tossing around. I said, I got to do something with this thing you know, formalize it. So we came up with the name Action Sports Kids Foundation, which encompasses all sports. Um, and we would run around with seven or eight kids and, uh, you know, over time, more kids wanted to be a part of what we were doing. We developed a, a team criteria, which I did send you, uh, which is, you know, no gang affiliation, uh, be in school, uh, treat each other with respect, uh, respect yourself on social media and it just kind of caught on everybody wanted to be a part of this really positive thing that was skateboarding and everything that surrounded it uh, Long Beach Unified School District got on board with us Long Beach Police Department Parks and Rec and it just started growing and growing and so we formed the nonprofit uh, in 2010 and we you know I paid for just about all I could possibly do um, but at, in, in time, it just started growing. Kids would we'd get T-shirts and kids would see other kids in skate parks with T-shirts. Uh, how do I get on Ask? Uh, and it just evolved into this incredibly successful organization that is very much outside the box. Uh, we do not judge these kids. We do not tell them how to live their life. We give them a window of time in their life that is positive. Uh, we're drowning in diversity and it's fun um and so that's kind of the beginnings of it and now we have kids uh that are part of ask from all over the country uh, i just sent a box of product to new zealand oh wow <laughs> we have kids that follow us uh in france england ireland germany indonesia south america not large numbers but we have some there yeah yeah uh, and um so, you know, I, I can stop there. There's so much that we've done and we're a part of with Dutour, the Tony Hawk Foundation, with our major industry sponsors. Uh, but we're, we're not about industry and culture, though you can ask me some questions about the culture. We're simply about kids that skate. 
And uh, I always say, you give me a troubled kid, uh, let me throw a skateboard under his feet and we can make a difference in his life. And we've got a, a huge track record doing just that. That That's awesome. So basically, in, in other words, going at the, the beginning of kind of that story, uh, you, you essentially laid the or at least it sounds like you sort of laid the groundwork for kind of this growth in the skateboarding community, you know, in the, you know, mid nineties, uh, it sounds like. Yes. Yes. When, once we, uh, uh, the state added skateboarding to the list of hazardous sports that cities can provide for with limited liability, it, it exploded. That's, that's crazy. That, I mean, that's awesome that you, you were able to do that. And not only, I, I think that story is really interesting how that all involved from, you know, that one call with like, Oh, you know, what are these kids tearing up my yard, blah, blah, blah. And then understanding like the impact that the sport could have on these kids. And then also once you build that first park to recognize, Hey, they want to be here. They need to be here, but getting there ends up being the problem in some cases. So to be able to kind of diversify the locations in smaller pockets, like you said, um, I think is, is really awesome. And I was, I was reading on your, on the website, um, that, that there was like a, a decrease sort of in, in, uh, crime almost, I guess, kind of when that started happening. Is that true? Yes, we, we, we built a small skate park, uh, 3,000 square feet in uh, an area of Long Beach that's considered by the police department as the most dangerous neighborhood in the city that kids can grow up in. Um, and that came about when a business uh, owner, they had an industrial park, uh, you know, Mike, you know, all the skateboarders in Long Beach and they're skating our stairs and ramps and uh, truck docks and it, it's illegal and it's a liability issue for us. We don't want to call the, we don't want to call the police on the kids. Could you please talk to them? And I was straight up with the guy. I said, well, what am I going to tell them? He said, well, not to skate here because, you know, we're going to have, end up having to call the police. I said, I'm not going to do that. I said, just call the police on it. And he was like kind of shocked. And I said, but I'll tell you what, you help me build a skate park in that neighborhood <laughs> and I'll get rid of your kids. Uh, so they did. We uh, went, we looked for locations, and we built this little bitty 3,000 square foot skate park on an existing slab. We threw down some temporary, I mean, some pre-manufactured elements. That 3,000 foot skate park became the most used facility in our park system. Uh, and Long Beach has a big park system. Uh, and it was beat up very fast. So uh, about three years after that, uh, we made the decision working with the city. I was off the council in, in the late 90s, by the way. Uh, we had made the decision to expand it uh, from 3,000 to almost 8,000 square feet. Um, and we had the funding coming from, I can't remember the act when President Obama was elected, uh, where they had a pot of money for shovel-ready projects. Um, and we, that qualified. So we put the skate park on, on that list uh, to raise the money. The money went away, it came back, it's a long story. <clears throat> but the city did a study of the area and within three years, violent crime decreased. Uh, gosh, I, I, I wanna say uh, 40 to 50%. I, wow. I, I'm trying to think about what it was. It may have been as high as 60% in that particular area. Violent crime decreased, uh, drug-related crime 35%, uh, 
uh, overall crime, 25%, illegal skateboarding, 100%. Uh, so we use that uh, kind of as a roadmap. And I always knew the impacts the skate parks were going to have on kids. I just I felt it. So that was kind of my, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. And, and now, you know, flash forward 2021, the police department loves our skate parks. Uh, it, it can be not a perfect environment like any sports facility, uh, but they know the impact of it. The police department, they know where the kids are. They're not hanging out on the street. They're doing something positive, doing something healthy. Uh, they want to be good kids. Uh, in, in the inner city, uh, it's hard for these kids to find an avenue to go down to do that. And this skateboarding over the past, what, 20 one years that we've had our first park, uh, it's just caught on. And we have kids, I had four today that they drag message me on Instagram that want to be on the team. So what we do is we send them the paperwork, the criteria, uh, the liability and talent waiver and the team shirt. And they show up in their skate park with a team shirt and their buddies go, hey, what's that? And then it's just exploded. It's, it's grown, our, the foundation has grown more during the pandemic than any time in our history. Wow. Yeah. And I guess that, that correlation kind of makes sense also. So, and I, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but basically, I mean, it sounds like really, you know, the, it's almost, you know, obviously you're giving a location for these kids to go and skate and hang out with their friends and all that stuff. But it's, it's, it's sounds like it's, you know, it's the, the bare bones of it. It's so much more than that because it's giving them, like you said, that positive outlet, that positive activity, you know, obviously, you know, you're not on a, on a team per se, like a team sport, but you're still out there encouraging each other, you know, pushing each other kind of to, you know, try a new trick or, you know, go down the, that set of stairs or whatever. So it sounds like well, really, go ahead. No, as I say, so it sounds like really kind of that, that atmosphere is kind of, you know, like you said, they didn't really have an outlet before. And now that was kind of the, the thing that provided that outlet. Yeah, and, and the way we do this, I mean, we have monthly, uh, I call it meeting slash jam. Uh, we haven't had access to a building since the pandemic, but we just pick a skate park. We go out there, um, have a little meeting, you know, talk about what's going on there. You know, sometime we've had guest speakers, uh, the mayor, the police chief. We've had different professional skateboarders, but mostly the kids just hype each other. And the way this thing has, has evolved is that the Ask Long Beach Instagram, at Ask Long Beach, we will repost clips of kids from all over the country and all over the world doing their first ollie, their first kickflip, their first down rail, their first three stair. And we'll post that and on their, they'll post it on their Instagram and they'll get 40 or 50 likes or views. Uh, we'll post it on the Ask in, uh, Instagram and they'll get 500 to 1,000 views, but they get comments positive comments from kids all over the country and all over the world. Uh, so it's kind of an honor to be featured uh, as a, you know, reposted on, on our Instagram. And it's just, so it kind of hypes itself. I don't, you know, I, I don't have to do much. You know, <laughs> I, I have this legendary status in Long Beach uh, and you will never see me on my Instagram. It, we've never marketed asked. I've never promoted it. I've never promoted myself. 
uh, it just evolved by itself. And it's just kids hyping kids through skateboarding. It's, it's an amazing experience to watch it. And I get to watch it every day. And I think two of the most, the biggest questions I get asked uh, is number one, are you a skateboarder? No. And uh, do you ever get tired of watching kids skate? And my response is, do you ever get tired of watching baseball or football? I said, it's a sport, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, snowboarding. Like I said, anything fast and dangerous is fascinating. Race cars, anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and skateboarding is just something anybody can do unless you're 69 years old. And uh, uh, it's it's just so attractive to kids. I, 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 I send out uh, uh, team shirts like all, all week long. And the average age of our kid, our demographic is a 10 to 14 year old minority uh, at risk use. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and, and to your point too, kind of the uh, the social media aspect of it, you know, creating kind of this, this, well, I guess, you know, you have followers from all over. So worldwide audience really that kind of builds that kids um, uh, esteem, you know, when they're on there, they're showing their buddies, they're getting positive comments, all this stuff, which obviously creates a ripple, a ripple effect within their own small, smaller friend group that they're actually with every day. So that sounds like a really kind of a, a huge positive reinforcement in a way to build upon that community that's already there and and you know what another good thing about it is there's a lot of nonprofits that uh do skateboarding stuff um and i love all of them we've donated money to some of them uh we've collabed with some uh, but most of them uh, they'll highlight a professional skateboarder doing tricks that my kids will never be able to do uh, they'll highlight highlight industry sponsors that reach a level of success that my kids will never reach. Uh, so what we do is we don't put things on our social media that's out of touch, that's out yeah. of reach for our kids. Uh, it's something they can do every day. We have some kids that are incredibly talented that have become sponsored. Um, and there's a, a, a young kid that used to skate he wasn't a part of ass but he skated with all of our kids at all of our events uh his name is chris jocelyn he's yeah. uh, one of the most famous skateboarders in the world uh and he used to skate with us when he was a little bitty kid <laughs> uh, 12 13 years old and uh he started skating at our first skate park el dorado skate park uh in 2000 uh so we have kids but our kids you know, if you're a pro and we've had the Pal Peralta team come out, you know, they think, oh, cool, let's go skate. And, and so they're not infatuated and amazed in, in all of the pros. They just think it's cool that they're out there skating with them. Yeah. Um, so the, the kids hype themselves. Uh, and I just sit back and watch it. It's, it's, uh, it's it, and everybody that's ever come to one of our events or one of our meetings um, are blown away by it. Um, and we used to do competitions. We did three or four uh, major competitions and getting sponsors uh, named after kids that we've lost. And it just, it, they didn't serve a purpose anymore. So we do one major comp uh, from a kid that we lost uh, that was bombing a hill. He, was, he died in a skateboarding accident. And that's kind of our, our main event of the year where city officials come out and we have a different, we have a scholarship program, ambassador program. We recognize those kids. And I like to say we create mentors and role models in some of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the city that kids grow up in. 
uh, once you become an ambassador to ask, you're, you're a role model. Um, so uh, the jams that we do once a month, uh, we feed the kids. Uh, we do, uh, if we have anything to say, we talk. Uh, the kids want to skate. So we do uh, raffles and we do what we call tricks for dollars, which is so easy to do. And I encourage cities all over the country to do this. Uh, you don't need to put on a great big event with thousands of dollars in prizes and product. Uh, we'll get a hundred or 200 $1 bills and the kids line up on an element. And we have a guy that announces and the kids will try to trick off the three stair, the rail or an ollie or whatever they're all trying to do. Uh, and if they try hard, they get a buck. If they land the trick, they get a dollar. If they get broke, they get $2. And sometimes they'll get $3. And the kids live for that. And it's, it's we do it every month throughout the year. That's awesome. Um, so it gives these kids, yeah, it gives the kids something to look forward to. And I never get tired of it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, how, how could you? I, you know, I grew up in kind of the action sports world and, and more, uh, more in the BMX side of things, but obviously saw a lot of skateboarding as well. And, and yeah, it, it's it's uh it's it's crazy to watch these kids you know just kind of go for it and then you know even if they're doing the smallest thing you know compared to you know what a pro is doing they still just get get just as stoked as you know as as the the sponsored rider or skater or whatnot so that's awesome to do that so so you have the the before you before we go away from that before you mentioned bmx yeah uh we are comp the co-founder of Ask from 21 years ago is a former professional BMX rider. He was Etney's uh, BMX team manager. His name is John Pova. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he's my best friend, my little brother. Uh, so we started this thing with professional BMXers like Dakota Roach, Nathan Williams, Tommy Dugan. Uh, I know more pro BMXers than I do pro skateboarders. <laughs> um, and John and I wrote the city ordinance in Long Beach, it's more that it was the first in California that allows, let me see if I can make this right, all non-motorized wheeled for recreational use vehicles are allowed in our skate parks. Oh. So that o- opened up the door uh, for BMX. Our second major big skate park that was opened in 2004 was designed with BMXers and skateboarders. Um, so BMX is a huge part of what we do. Uh, we just did a demo for the city. We had some of the biggest BMX pros in the world out there doing some stuff. And I've known them all since they're little kids. <laughs> uh, so BMX has been a big part of what we do. And we don't exclude anybody from our skate parks. I, I, you know, if I'm going to spend a million dollars on a facility, I can't tell this kid you can't come here because of what you ride. So uh, Long Beach was, a, was the first to do that. And it's uh, transcended throughout the state. That's awesome. And that's awesome to have that because, you, you know, obviously as skaters and, and BMXers sort of sometimes have some some tiffs and whatnot. I know, you know, skate being having the same access to skate parks is also one of those tips that comes up. So it's cool that that you are are working with the, the BMX community um, to kind of build that up as well and build that relationship between this, the different sports and everything. That's awesome. Well, there's a new kid in town. It's called roller skates. Yeah. Again? Is that it coming has, back? It has exploded. It exploded. <laughs> um, and there's, you know, groups that have roller skate uh, teams. And, and uh, most of our skate parks do not have bowls. We only have one bowl. Okay. Uh, El Dorado, yeah. 
El Dorado doesn't have a bowl, but it's a lot of transition. Um, but uh, the big bowl is the Houghton Skate Park, which is a 13,000 foot park that opened in 2004. Um, and, you know, that's what the roller skaters and the BMXers can ride anything, but they like bowls. Um, so it, roller skate is also a big part of what we do. We've, we've done a couple of demos with them over the past 10 years. Um, so I, I just I just love it all, and we're uh, this is a top secret, but I'll whisper it to you. Uh, <laughs> we're we're beginning the process to build one of the largest skate parks on the beach in California. Oh. Uh, we have met with the city and all the powers that be. Everybody's excited about it. We have to do a feasibility study, uh, and we you know the tentative budget for it is three and a half million dollars. So that is. Uh, in the shadows right now, but it's it's a project that the city's really hyped on, and it's my hopes that it will move forward. And what we're going to do uh, with the my, the most fun thing I do is get kids together to design a skate park. It, it, it's just amazing to watch these kids and their interest. And uh, so, what we're going to do for this skate park, if it all moves forward, we have to get coastal commission approval and the, you know, a long process. It could take three year, two to three years. Uh, is uh, I told the city I want to do it differently than we've done before. I don't want just skateboarders involved in the design. We're going to have skateboarders, BMX, roller skaters, and for the first time, the adaptive sports community. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, we want them involved in the design. And, you know, we, we've done demos with adaptive sports athletes. Uh, they amaze me what they can do in a wheelchair. It's like, yeah, Lord, are you serious? <laughs> it's insane. Uh, yeah. So, and they like bowls. They got to have a bowl. So we're, this, this skate park will have large bowl, but in, in the, uh, uh, Tracy, one of these, she's a legend in the adaptive sports. She's, she's, uh, in a wheelchair, uh, and she skates bowls all over Southern California. Uh, and she comes to our events when we're at a bowl. Uh, but what I want to talk, and I've seen her get in, dropping in the bowls easy in a wheelchair, getting out of the bowl yeah. complicated. You got to pull yourself out with a wheelchair, and she does it by herself. My, most of them, they do not want you to help them, and I don't even offer it. It's like you got in there, girl, you get out. Yeah. So, but but I would like to find some way to design an, an access, uh, and an, not an access, but an, an exit yeah. out of a bowl uh, for somebody in a wheelchair. Uh, or, you know, there, there are guys that uh, skate, I, Felipe, I can't remember his, his whole name, that uh, he, he doesn't have any legs, and he oh. skates, you know, uh, sits on a skateboard, and he, he's with uh, Tony's team, um, Birdhouse Skateboard Sponsoring. He's an amazing talent. Um, but I, I just want to make all of the skate park accessible uh, to everybody. And you know, adaptive sports leagues are popping up everywhere. And we've been doing this with adaptive sports for 15 years. And, you know, it, to me, it's like, well, it's about time. Um, <laughs> but I want to include them in the development and the design of a skate park. And it, it's going to be the first effort that I know of that's in, encompassing uh, all that in, in skate parks. So we'll, we'll see how that happens. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I definitely wish you the best in looking at that, especially, yeah, I mean, you're look, literally looking at all kind of aspects within the action sports world for that. So that's, that's awesome. So besides, you know, you mentioned kind of the, obviously the jams that you have and the, you know, the skate team and that kind of stuff. 
what other things do you uh, kind of offer or encourage the kids to do? I know I read some some stuff on the website talking about, you know, uh, some community service stuff and those kinds of things. But what are some of those kind of extracurriculars that you're using to, you know, uh, you know, help help build up these kids and at risk and that kind of stuff, um, you know, to, you know, stay within that kind of positive lifestyle? Yeah, we, we've always encouraged kids to get involved in their community in one way or the other. We've sponsored uh, skate park cleanups. Um, and this past year, we sponsored a basketball slash education uh, program that turned out to be a huge success. Um, and the, I mean, the, the, whenever there's a cleanup, we try to get as many kids there as, as we possibly can. Um, but I think just leading by example and these, there a lot of our kids will on their own get involved in a give back, you know, painting out graffiti or, or helping give out shoes or helping feed the homeless. And we highlight those kids. We don't do those programs. And, you know, as a former council member, I, you know, I, I would, didn't have anxiety over it, but there's so many programs that do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so what we do is we point kids in the direction to get involved in a program that does positive things. Uh, for me to do uh, Feed the Homeless, there's countless organizations. For us to do uh, giving out school supplies, um, you know, there's other organizations in Long Beach and the school district that, do, that does the same thing. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll go to our, one of our biggest sponsors is Vans, uh, and they'll donate uh, anything I want. Um, but I ask them for backpacks and then we will collect school supplies and we'll pack the backpacks with school supplies. We'll give them to our kids if they need them. Um, so, and, and then when they're giving out turkeys or Christmas presents or whatever, we encourage our kids to get involved in that program. You know, you go there and you give back. Uh, and then we shout them out, you know, they're so-and-so giving back to the community. And, and it's so much fun to watch these kids give when they're always the ones receiving. Cause yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so it, they, we, we do, uh, the most fun thing I do is, uh, I keep saying that is, uh, uh, working with autistic children. There's these nonprofits, uh, for autistic children. They'll do skate camps. Uh, and our kids love doing that. So we'll take them to wherever it is. And we've, uh, we've co-sponsored those before. Um, and of course, uh, you know, my daughter uh, is a, you know, has, she's got her master's in social work and she works strictly with autistic children. So I'm very in tune with the levels of autism and so forth. So we get our kids and on the way out there, we give them a little lecture in the van uh, about the kids and how they're going to react to certain things. And, um, you know, you don't reach out to them, let them reach out to you. Um, and the parents are always there. So they'll sponsor a kid. When I say sponsor a kid, they'll take them and push them around the skate park. Uh, and I said, if there's an issue, uh, if they, if they begin to cry or, uh, you know, have issues with anything, uh, like they'll pick up your skateboard and just walk off with it. Uh, <laughs> You know, you call the parents and, yeah. uh, you know, the parents come in and they intervene and uh, calm everybody down. But to watch these kids, these inner city kids that have nothing, give back to kids that don't have, they have everything, but they don't understand it. 
uh, it is incredibly heartwarming to, to watch. And they just love it because, you know, like I said, most of my kids don't have anything. They're, I got one kid that lives in a hotel room with five siblings. Uh, you know, a lot of our families live with eight or 10 people. Um, so, you know, that's the kind of stuff we like to get them involved in. And this basketball program was sponsored by a young guy. He's 23 years old. And anytime a young person comes to me and wants to give back, we're all in. We do everything we possibly can uh, to help them. And that alone, just our kids watching that inspires them to give back. That's awesome. And, and, and to your point, it sounds like, you know, you're sort of, you know, laying the, the foundation, kind of building that community, that positivity and that stuff. And you're not necessarily, you know, forcing them to go out in the community and help with, you know, kids with autism or giving turkeys or whatever that might be. But you're, you're kind of leading them there, but sort of that interaction that they had initially from the positive uh, experience that they had, you know, no matter where, where their background came from, it's, 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 it's awesome to hear that they're kind of moving forward in that way and sort of doing it on their own and saying, Hey, you know, it, I, I can do this just as well. Yes. That's and it's, um, you know, it, it, like when I say we're rough around the edges, uh, parks and cities can't do what we do the way we do it. Uh, we don't judge these kids. Uh, we don't tell them how to live their life. We just, it's, it's a show me thing. It's like, yeah, you know, here's what life can be. Uh, we give you a window of time in your life that is super positive. Um, uh, and you choose the direction you want and we will never pull you back and say, you're doing something wrong. Uh, if you're headed towards the wall and you hit the wall, uh, and you come back, we're always going to be there for you. We're always going to support you. Uh, I've had kids over the past 20 years that have been locked up. Uh, if they get locked up and they get out, they come home, we welcome them home. We give them a skateboard. I never asked them what they did. Um, so, you know, treating kids the way, you know, if I stood behind a podium and told them how to live their life, we would not be successful. Uh, and not judging these kids. Uh, and they can talk to me the way they talk to their friends. We have no language barrier. They can dress the way they want. They can talk the way they want. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's, it, it builds a bond and a relationship that these kids don't have with many adults, especially at their home. They know that there's somebody that they can come to. And it's not just me, it's the older kids that have been with us for a long time uh, that they can talk to and we listen. And that's the best thing you can do for a kid is listen and uh, you know try to lead by example. And I'm honest with them. You know, when I was a kid uh, growing up, I, I was no perfect angel. I smoked truckloads of weed and did every drug known to mankind. And, <laughs> uh, never got caught up in anything. You know, I stayed focused. I finished school. I went to work. Uh, became a general contractor, a city council member, and running one of the most recognized nonprofits for kids in the state through skateboarding. Um, and, we, you know, we don't encourage college. We encourage a high school diploma. Yeah. Uh, and we have access to any agency in the city of Long Beach from the health department uh, in, in the county, uh, probation, police department. Um, and, and what's good about this is I don't, if I have a kid that has an issue, uh, I don't get them out of trouble. 
I help keep them from getting in trouble. Okay. And I can plug them into different organizations. There's a line in the sand I never cross uh, and pretty much leave it up to them. And I don't have to go into a lot of detail explaining to agencies what I need. Uh, I say, I got a kid. He needs ABC. They will say, yes, Mike, we can do it. Or no, we can't. Uh, and that's because of the 25-year relationship I've built with agencies that serve the many at-risk kids that are part of our group. That's awesome, and, and I love I love the, uh, the as you mentioned, kind of the the, sh- the the show me, not tell me kind of attitude. As far as you know, you're watching or the kids are watching, you know, hearing your story or hearing uh, an older kid's story that was in the program, or and just kind of that trickle ripple effect from that is sounds really powerful. And as you mentioned too, you know, if you were out there telling the kids what to do, they'd be like, "Oh no, I'm not listening to this guy. Um, you get the middle finger, you get the digit every time. Yep. Yep. So you're kind of meeting them on that level plane and, and promoting it that way, which, you know, makes complete sense. And obviously you're having a, seeing a, a tremendous uh, impact from, from that route. So that's amazing. So yeah, and we, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, you go right ahead. Well, I was just saying we're outside the box. You know, these kids, like uh, I did and I still do, I mean, the way they talk to each other, I mean, they swear a lot, like little kids. Uh, I had a a friend of mine who's actually the founder of uh, Element Skateboards. His name's Johnny Schiller, if I know he would not mind me me dropping his name. Uh, He came to talk to the kids about his story, how he grew up and the drama he went through and uh, it, it was it's an amazing amazing story success story in the in the industry uh, but it was funny he was walking up on the stage we don't do podiums you just walk up in front of the kids and he had an easel he was going to draw the element uh, logo and kind of explain it and he leans over and he said Mike can I use f-bombs I go, yeah I said of course you can uh, he said I can't tell my story without it I said well you know it would it, however you want to talk as long as your message is positive yeah we don't care and the police chief has been in there and I've snapped on a few kids when he was standing beside me and I I dropped every name in the book and I could <laughs> the chief I've known forever you know I, I he heard it of course he was standing right next to me and I think he just kind of held his breath and said well whatever he does works. So I'm just not going to say <laughs> no, that, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, like, it, like you said, you know, as long as the, the overall message is a positive one, you know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what words are being used and, you know, and sharing those, those stories and showing that, you know, something that might seem as simple as a piece of wood and four wheels, you know, that can lead to so much more than, you know, just hanging out with your buddies too, you know, trickles into your everyday life, you know, your future, your, your determination, your focus, everything else. So that's, that's cool that you're able to share that. And like I said before, you know, meet, meet the kids on the level that they're thinking at regardless, you know, and just kind of show them that positivity that way. So, so to that point, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you, you got, you're fine. Sorry, I was breaking up there. I can't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was just going to ask, so so to that point, you know, I guess, what is what is a pe- one piece of advice, I guess, that, you know, obviously you interact with a, a bunch of different kids, parents, community members, all that stuff, but, you know, and, and, and you kind of mentioned your sort of the show me, not tell me type of situation, but 
if there, if there was kind of that one piece of advice that, you know, you could offer to a kid that, you know, might be, you know, close to going down that wrong path. And really all he needs is that one positive thing in his, in his life, in this case, skateboarding, uh, or maybe even from a, a parent's standpoint too, you know, they're like, well, I don't, I don't know what to do with this kid. You know, I'm trying my best. What, what can we do to kind of help with that? Um, what, what would, what would be that, that piece of advice for them? Well, I, you know, I got, I could write a book about that one too. <laughs> the most important thing is, uh, you know, what I tell parents is to listen and don't judge them and think back when you were a kid. Some parents forget when they were a kid, what went through their head. Um, and take, you know, if you take the time to listen, then you can understand. And if you can understand the, uh, an issue that a child is going through, um, you can give advice and direction, but not orders and structure. They have to do that themselves. And I did that with my kids. Um, and I, I think as far as the, the parents, you know, it, most of my parents, most of my kids' parents, uh, you know, they're single moms or dads or they, their mom or dad may be in jail. They may be drug addicts. They live with their grandmas and grandpas. Um, but so many kid, par, uh, adults uh, in my world, uh, you know, they'll, well, these kids should wear a helmet. They should, you know, they should eat vegetables. They should do this. And, you know, a lot of my kids eat from 7-Eleven store. That's, that's where they get their, their nourishment. Um, and if these kids taught me anything is the disconnect between the haves and the have nots. Yeah. Uh, the people that have just don't understand what it's like to grow up in a world where you have nothing but the streets. Uh, and that's the world that I roll in. Uh, my children were blessed. I mean, we, I took my kids surfing and, uh, you know, any kind of sport they got involved in, I was on top of it. We had a little house in Mexico and, you know, my kids were blessed. We never had a lot of money, but they did a lot of things. And there's a lot of my kids that live in Long Beach that have never touched the ocean before, even though it's 20 blocks away from them. Um, so, you know, we just, we just encourage these kids to take the time to care about each other and uh, take the time to give back when you can. If all of us give a little as a whole, we give a lot. Yeah. Um, and, the, and they do that. I mean, they, they just, they have so much respect for them, for each other uh, through the sport of skateboarding uh, that they really do care about each other to, you know, to watch them, one of them get hurt and others go up, you okay, man, you're going to get all right. Let's shake it off. Let's get back out there. Uh, it's amazing. But like I said, most of these kids, they don't have anything but each other yeah. uh, and, and skateboarding like no other sport, uh, provides that bmx i love the sport but it's damn expensive to buy a bike it, yeah it is <laughs> my, my kids, and we used to have bmx comps but getting product is too expensive yeah uh, so it kind of fell by the wayside um, so we are blessed to have the support of the skate one corporation which is pal Peralta, mini logo bones wheels bones bearings uh vans uh and these guys have been with us for years and uh etnies has been with us longer than any etnies has been with us for 17 years um and they, none of them can provide enough product for us to serve our kids but we do have accounts with them uh and they sell us product 
uh, cheaper than they sell to shops. Yeah. Uh, and we have a single donor, uh, a family that, that funds 90% uh, of our foundation. So, uh, you know, I hope they never go away. Uh, and of course, the Port of Long Beach and Long Beach Visitors Convention Bureau, and there are some other private individuals uh, that help us out. But 90% of it's funded uh, by a private individual. And she used to skate when she was in elementary school. And her family is incredibly wealthy, and they only donate to youth programs. Uh, they built a Ronald McDonald House, and anything kids, uh, uh, they're supported. And so I, I kind of went down that rabbit hole, but, um, you know, I, giving advice to kids is very difficult, uh, but leading by example is very easy. Um, and our ambassador program, when we have kids that are doing good and they're doing, uh, they're passing in school or going, I, I was a terrible student. If I brought home a D, my parents were ecstatic. <laughs> uh, so when our kids are doing good in school, if they bring an F up to a D, we reward them. If they bring a C up to a B, uh, you know, the straight A students, those are the kids that I didn't like in school. They don't even study. Uh, but just to make an effort to bring A grade up a little bit, uh, and we recognize them for that. Yeah. Uh, and it inspires them to, well, maybe I can bring that D up to a C. Uh, and, you know, we don't get out there and show their grades and stuff, but uh, we, we've had, uh, we have a scholarship program, an education and scholarship program where if kids are doing good in school, um, you know, we'll provide, we'll make them an ambassador. And if they're an ambassador for a year, they get all the skate product and, you know, and we, uh, with the support of Etnies, uh, we give them shoes all year long. And it, the program usually lasts for a year per kid. Some of the kids that are ambassadors uh, are now in their twenties and they started when they were 14. Uh, and they're the ones that inspire the younger kids uh, and like, like I, I say, we, you know, do good in school means just pass and get out of school. Yeah. Uh, and we can plug them into to tutoring things. If some of our kids that are ambassadors play soccer or uh, baseball or basketball and they need support, we provide them with anything they need for that sport, uh, whether it's uniforms or balls or shoes or whatever. Uh, so it's not just skateboarding. It, it's, it's, I mean, that's the hook. Yeah. But, and most of my skateboarders are soccer players and most of them are uh, low income. So they have avenues to get product, but if, but if they need help, um, we're there for them. That, no, that, that's, that's all amazing. That's, and that's great. Back, back to the, you know, lead by example, um, analogy right there so so where where can people uh find find you all online uh you know to see what you're up to obviously check out your social media for inspiration and and kind of all that stuff well the quickest thing to do is to go to www.asklongbeach.org uh we have a lot of good stuff on there our mission statement it's got our sponsor list which is very impressive um or then our instagram if you want to see some fun stuff uh, is uh, at Ask Long Beach. Uh, and you can see some of the kids doing their first ollies and uh, first kick clips. And we have some kids that are incredibly talented that we put up there. Uh, and, and, you know, look at their clip, but look at the comments that they get from kids all over the place. That's what hypes these kids to do what they do. And that's what makes this program so very successful. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Everybody make sure you uh, check out the website, check out their social, uh, check out the, you know, the kids are highlighting. And, um, as, as he mentioned, as Mike mentioned, you know, uh, check out the comments and then also drop your own, you know, also if you, you know, you see something you like, give, give a little encouragement, as you can see, you know, uh, they've done an amazing job growing this community and making this impact through skateboarding. That is really at this point, it sounds like much more than just, uh, skateboarding. That's just kind of the vehicle for all this, this goodness and positivity. So, uh, Mike, I thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to kind of share your backstory, how you started this all and the impact you're having. Um, and I wish, I wish, uh, you all the best of luck in the coming years and, to uh, continue to keep everybody shredding. That's right. It doesn't take much. Everybody does a little, we get a lot. There you go. That that's, that's what it's all about. I love it. All right. Well, thanks again. And, uh, yeah, best of luck to you and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, Jeremy, very much. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.